Good morning. Welcome to Discovery Community Church. So glad you decided to worship with us. Um, we're going to do some singing today and worshiping God. And if you can, we'd ask you to stand and join us. Thank you.
Come on, give God a hand praise. That means clap your hands. That's what a hand praise is. Go ahead and take a seat. Welcome again to Discovery Community Church. My name is Bobby. I'm so glad that you're here. I have a couple announcements for us. When you came in today, um, well, first of all, if this is your first time here, hello and welcome. Uh, we hope you have found everything that you need. Um, if you should need anything during service, go right over to this table and some folks should be able to help you. When you came in today, you got one of these um, um, envelopes, these folders, and inside of this folder is this awesome connection card. This is how we get to know you and get to um, be a part of your life, not in your business, but a part of your life. This is how we pray for you. This is how we um, understand what you need. And so if you have a need, if you just wanna talk about what God is doing in your life or what you need God to do in your life, this is a, a great first start. So I wanna, I wanna um, uh, extend to you a, a, a welcome challenge to take a look at this and fill it out. Today's an awesome day. Um, today we have um, Pastor Carlos visiting us, um, and I'll be talking more about Pastor Car Carlos soon. Um, another key highlight for us today is Eternal Anchor. Uh, is having an interest meeting today. You are invited to join no no Nicole Zinn following service this morning in room 228 to learn more about short-term mission trips supporting the ministry at Eternal Anchor. And so if you want to know more about that, go to room 228, the end of service. There's also some cool merch right there. Hey, Nicole, say hi. Merch. That's who you're going to be hanging out with after service today. So here's what you can expect. We're going to, in just a moment, when the music starts, feel free to stand up if you like or just stay seated in worship. Some of y'all are holding babies. You can stay seated, hold those babies in worship. And we'll continue worship, singing uh, in prayer, and then we'll receive teaching from our guest speaker, Pastor Carlos. So without further ado, let's continue our worship service. Your heart and lead me in 
us the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
Father, you're great. Father, you're magnificent. You find me in my dark despair. You draw me to your goodness. You are life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only you give life you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing come on church and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry
Father, we praise you because you are worthy, because you are a beautiful God and you're real and so real in our lives. We thank you for Discovery Church, for every person that uh, it's grateful for what you have done in their lives and for those that do not know you yet and they, are, uh, they wonder about you. And we know that we have all humanity have an emptiness in our hearts that only, only God can fill and that you are the only one that can give us purpose. We understand that you're not a religious activity, but you're the creator of heaven and earth, and you're the judge of the living and the death. We want you, Lord, to speak to our hearts today. Thank you for this worship service. Thank you for this beautiful church. And we ask you that you continue to expand the message of salvation uh, in the midst of us. And that our family, our children, grandchildren, uh, friends, neighbors that do not know you, that, Lord, you give us the love, the courage to share with them what you mean to us and what you have done to us, what you have done in our lives. Thank you for this time, and we ask you to lead us and to, Lord, to be glorified in, in the midst of us. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. Yes, yes, of course, yes. I want to do my whole job today. <laughs> so I'd like to welcome Pastor Carlos back to Discovery and thank him for joining thank us. You. Thank you. Thank you. If, if you are unfamiliar, I'd like to share a brief introduction. Okay, I, sure. If this is awkward for you, I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> Pastor Carlos received Christ as Savior at the age of 14. Yes. After working as a lawyer, then actor in various television and movies in Mexico, he was called to ministry. He graduated with a master's of theology with biblical languages from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Texas, and has served in full ministry since 2000. He is a certified coach and has a doctor of ministry from Gateway Seminary in Ontario, California. Pastor Carlos has served as pastor of Iglesia Vida since 2011. He and his wife, Paula, have known each other since childhood, Paula is an engineer. God called her to ministry since 2001. The Lord has used them both as marriage speakers. They both served Discovery through our Shoes marriage event this last fall. Thank you for yes. that. Please help me welcome Pastor Carlos. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, thank you. God has been good. Well, God bless you, church. What a beautiful uh, time to be with you. I'm, I'm grateful for this church, and we love your pastor and your staff, and we're, we're grateful for what the Lord has done in the midst of you. And today I'm, I, I, I want to share, I know you're going through a very important series about reasonable faith, in, and I, I understand that's that, that aspect of life because I am, as, an, as a lawyer, I, tr I, I am someone that wants to see that we can trust in what we believe, in what we put our trust. Uh, my father, he's, he, he studied to be a, a priest. He wanted to... He was very religious, Catholic, 
My mom, she was Jewish. My grandparents, I had shared with you that in the past, they escaped from the Holocaust and arrived at Argentina as refugees. And my mother was the first one in her family to get to know Jesus as the, her Messiah. Because the Bible, uh, we call it the Old Testament and New Testament. The Jewish people just call it the Tanakh, which means the Torah, the Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, the, the law, the writings, and the prophets. They don't have the New Testament. And uh, in the, the Old Testament prophesies about the Messiah, an anointed one, a, a, a descendant from King David that will uh, be a righteous king, that will save uh, its people and the nations through his sacrifice in Isaiah 53. So when my mom uh, heard about Jesus, the, the, the first reaction was rejected, but, first she, but she began to read the New Testament, and she was so impre impressed by God, and she gave her life to the Lord. I I, when I was 14, reading the Gospel of John, I came to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when I was around uh, 22, I began studying other religions because I wanted to know what's the difference with Christianity, where these other religions and philosophies came from. And I wanted to be a, a Christian just because I knew that Christianity was trustworthy, not because my parents were Christians. And uh, so that's, that's an area of my life that I have read books about God's existence and people that object to, Christi to Christianity. And, uh, and it has been beautiful to me to know that we are standing in a firm ground, that we, can, uh, we have uh, arguments and evidence and, and, and trustworthiness in the Christian message. But today I'm going to speak about uh, what we're sharing in our church. I'm doing a series of the importance of discipleship. It is really important because this is the commandment that Jesus left us as his people. He said, go and make disciples. In Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, uh, we see that the Bible says, therefore, go, that's a commandment Jesus has given us, that we should not just be accustomed to just sit in church and on Sundays listen to a message, but God has commissioned us to go. He wants us to not stay uh, quiet and, and passive, but to be intentional in sharing with others about His message, about what He has done in our lives and in the lives of people. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. We are in a melting pot in America. We have all, the na all nations here. And says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know... Uh, most believers are not used to sharing their faith with others. We have made of Christianity more like a religious activity where we are used to sitting and listening to a sermon and go back home. But it is important that we live a life that is dependent on God, that we get to know who God is, for who He is. Uh, most of us, there, there was a day when we came to Christ. I was 14, and I read the Gospel of John, and I read when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father if it's not by me and, uh, or through me. And uh, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and, and that will be enough for us. But Jesus says, Philip, so much time I have been in the midst of you, and you have not known me. Knowing the intricate relationship of the Son with the Father and, and this only one God. And uh, I gave my life to Christ. But when I came to know the Lord, it's, it's, it was... Uh, uh, the beginning of a beautiful relationship of trust in God. 
of uh, praying and seeing that God answered prayers. I am thankful for my parents because they model a life of faith in my family. My parents were not perfect, like no human being is perfect, but they were sincere, they were real, they were honest, uh, they have um, integrity, and they really loved God, and they show us that in our lives. I remember when I was growing up and we were going through difficult situations, my mother says, let's pray. Or for example, let's, even in, the, in a simple thing as I needed to bring a, a, a class a work that I have done and I could not find it anywhere in the house and I had more than an hour seeking for it and my mother says, why don't we pray? Just a simple thing like that. And always, many times, those sort of things happen. We, we gather and say, Father, you know everything. You know exactly where the work, uh, where, where this paperwork that Carlos Andres needs to get to, to school, you know where it is. We ask you to please guide us, to please help us, because he needs to d deliver this today. We, in the name of Jesus, amen. So we just, we just turn around and, oh, here it is, just like that. When I had hours, uh, I remember when we were going, uh, we were going to church in McAllen, Texas. We used to live in Reynosa. Tamaulipas, Mexico, and we had, my, my sister was a singer, and she invited a friend to come uh, to, with us for a week. She was in a famous group in Mexico as a singer, and she invited this famous lady to come with us, and she forgot her passport. So we were in line, and, and we said, what do we do? Oh, she doesn't have the passport, and she didn't, she needed to hear the gospel and come to church, so we say, we pray, Father, you know everything, you know, we are here for the right reasons. We, we want to go to church in McAllen. We want to listen to your word. We ask you to please help us blind the, <laughs> the people, the officer. We were not going to come to work here illegally, right? We're just going to church. Uh, please uh, uh, blind the officer. Allow us to, to pass by. And long lines, like two hours. And finally, we were there. And, and, and he was very meticulous, every, every single car, looking, the trunk, everything. And it was a time, and we came, and, and he, he listened to us, okay, 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 come, come, go, 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 out, out of nowhere. So we just passed, we went there, and this, this, the friend of my sister gave her life to Christ that day in the church. <laughs> so things like that, God is faithful. Uh, for, three year, for seven years, we couldn't have children, now we have Three, so praise God for that. It's answer prayers after answer prayers. We get to know the presence of God when we really uh, have a heart uh, that loves the truth and say, God, I want to know you. So this is a, a message that is so powerful. You know, we listen today to a lot of bad, we see a lot of bad examples in churches. We see bad preachers, people that uh, the prosperity gospel they are the only ones that prosper, right, with the money of the people. And, and, uh, and we see bad examples, leaders that fall into sin. So it's no wonder that the culture in America rejects Christianity as hypocritical, right? Uh, because they see that we talk about God and holiness and there's a lot of fail failings. The reality is that when we come to faith, we never come with the pretension to say that we will be, uh, that we are... Uh, absolutely perfect, that we never fail. We come to Christ because we acknowledge that we have messed up lives. We come to Christ because we acknowledge that we need hope and we need 
forgiveness, and we need help uh, in our soul, in our mental health, in our emotional health. And, and we know that who better to help us put, it, put our souls together than the one who made life? If there's a God who made life, He's the one that knows your soul and your heart, and He's the one that can, can help you. So Christians, we struggle with sin, we struggle with our flesh, with temptations. Jesus said that sometimes the spirit is willing, but the, uh, the, it says, but the flesh is weak, right? So you, you need to be on guard, you need to watch yourself, you need to be on, on communication with God, on prayer, so you remain strong. So many people think that Christianity is horrible, it's like the... the the, opio, the, the, the opioids of the people, <laughs> the, the drug of the people that is bad. But in reality, uh, Christianity is a tremendous force for good in the, in the world where we are at. There's no greatest force for good than Christianity. Of course, you can say, oh, the Crusades, of course, they kill each other for the holy places, uh, like 500,000 uh, people. Uh, in, in the wars that develop, then you can say, well, what about the Inquisition of the Roman Catholic Church in the Middle Ages? In Spain, it killed 32,000 people. And what about the, the churches that control the life and manipulate the life of people and hurt so many people? That's horrible. Jesus rejects that completely, and the Bible tells us about these false prophets. So what about those? Yeah, that's horrible. That's... that's uh, that's, that's something the, the Lord rejects, absolutely. The Bible tells us about these things that, that are not pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. But Christianity, as a pastor, by God's grace, we started 40 people in the year 2010. I began helping the church, but 2011, I became their, their pastor. And uh, this past Sunday, we were 462 from 40 that we were in 2011, by God's grace. God can bring growth and life change and we have seen, I have seen it in the church, and I see it often, people that came broken with addictions to alcohol, to drugs, or people that, that they were not drug, drug addicts, they were apparently nice people, but they know there was a void in their lives, and uh, in, in they give their lives to Christ, and I see marriages restored, families restored, which organization in the world changes the life of people in such a radical way as the gospel, as the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes that is the message of Jesus. The church is the greatest uh, force for benevolence in the world where there's a tragedy, that they pour their love and their money and their support to help one another. Uh, there's no organization on earth that pulls people from, from, from the, the mud of, of of broken relationships, of a broken life, of drug addiction, of, of alcohol, of emptiness, of, of depression, of anxiety as the church of Jesus Christ. So you are part, church, of something amazing, a powerful force for good in the world like the world has never seen before. This is what the church is, and that's the power of God through Christ when the church walks in, uh, in, in integrity and we have a, a heart that is in tune with the Lord, God can do beautiful things through the church. We are imperfect people called to perfection, to maturity, and God uses our lives, although imperfect, for His glory so others come to the hope of Jesus. 
And Jesus came and he did miracles that no one else did. The Bible is not the only one that talks about Jesus. We have historians like Flavius Josephus, like Tacitus, like Suetonius, that, uh, like Pliny the Younger, that they talk in the middle of the first century and the early second century. They talk about Christianity, about the historical Jesus outside the 27 documents of the New Testament. And what they say about Jesus is beautiful, it's powerful. The resurrection is present. The allusions to the resurrection. And Jesus is real. He came to this life. He changed the world. And one single life, and we are in the year 2024 after Jesus, after Dominus, after our Lord. Uh, one single life changed the world so dramatically, more than Julius Caesar, more than Alexander the Great, more than Napoleon, more than anything, any force the world has ever seen or, or uh, army the world has ever seen, just one single humble man that it's God in the flesh that came to this world to give hope. So his last words were, go and make disciple church. That is the mission that God has for us to go and make disciples of every nation. Now, now when you make something, it involves your time, your effort, um, it's, it's not just something like invite them to church. That's, a be, that's the beginning. That's good. Hey, we have a great church community. Uh, we sing beautiful songs. We come out of church every Sunday inspired. Uh, the Lord has, God has spoken to my life many Sundays. I invite you to church. It would make a great difference in the lives of your children. Uh, to walk in a good way, to live a, a righteous, a wise life that brings joy and blessings. Would you like to come to church on Sunday? It's good to invite people, but that's not sharing the gospel. That's not the whole, the whole thing, because it says make. You have to invest time on it. Like, for example, when you see a beautiful a cake, a beautiful cake, uh, it takes time to, to make that cake, right? You need to, to buy the eggs, the flour, the butter, the different components uh, to, to make the chocolate. And you girls, some of you ladies know how to bake a cake? Yes, some of you guys maybe, or not. <laughs> but it takes, how many hours does it take to bake a cake? Eight? eight? <laughs> what? Two? <laughs> Four? Okay, it takes time. And you need to pay attention to what you're doing. You need to gather the ingredients, right? So go and make. I, I want to ask you, how many of you go? When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? When was the last time you shared the gospel with your children or some of your grandchildren? Mm. You see them. You love them. You receive them without hugging them. Uh, on their birthdays or Christmas, you do a present for them. But when was the last time you offered them the present of salvation and saying, hey, I want to share with you something that is very important in my life and that I pray for you, grandson, granddaughter, every week I pray for you that God will bless you and that one day you will get to know the God that I love that has made a difference in my life. I want to share with you. Do you know what Christianity is about? Do you know that the message of Christianity is not just to behave well, but it's about a condition that we have as humanity that we are separated from the God that created life. And since we have sinned, which means we have disobeyed God's commandments, we have been selfish, prideful, 
we have done wrong things, we struggle with our selfishness and pride and with our own ways in this life, we hurt others. And the Bible says that since we went away from the, God's purpose, God is life, and as we walk away from Him, we deserve death. We do not deserve eternal life because He is the author of life. So why He should give us life if we don't want Him in our lives and we live our lives so away from His purposes and plan? But the Bible talks about a beautiful story that Jesus came, He did miracles, He was a real person in this world. We're in the year 2024 after Him. And the Bible says that He bare on the cross our sins to reconcile us to God. And the Bible says that whoever believes in Him will not perish. And believing means trusting Him, means that you begin to walk a life in which you consider the direction of God in your life, and you learn to know Him and love Him. And when you have God in your life, He promised to bless you, to guide your path, so that you make this life, this short life on earth, a little bit, a little bit easier, a little bit, uh, you have the strength to overcome difficult situations. You have the wisdom to make the right decisions, decisions that will put you in a good place in life for you and your children. Things like that, sharing the gospel. When was the last time you shared the gospel with your grandchildren or with your daughter or with your son? And I understand that sometimes it's a difficult topic, especially if they rejected Christianity. Oh, mom, here you go again. Here you go. I don't want to hear about your religion. But I think that you can always find ways. You cannot impose religion on them. You cannot impose Jesus. You cannot impose the gospel. But you can be real and you can be shared. No, I'm just sharing something that is real. Or you can say, you know, I pray and this is what God did in our lives. Uh, and I'm praying for you. I love you. And the best thing that I can give you, the legacy that I can leave you is, is my faith. Because I know it can help you. Because I know that this is not just my religion. It's, it's a, if Christianity is true, it's a message that transcends and that has, a, you cannot diminish the importance, the importance that it should have in your life. So when was the last time you, you went and you shared with something? I want to challenge your church that you each, as believers in Christ, make a decision to say, I'm going to go and make disciples. This will be a year that the Lord allow us to experience growth as a church because the church is the people and we want to reach others to faith. So you make a, a cake or maybe you, make, you work with wood and you, you, uh, you have to work and do like a bench or, or a table and you have to measure it, you have to bring the material, you have to cut it. Where, whenever you make something, you invest your time, right? So that's the same with discipleship. You share little by little. They say the average person come in America comes to Christ after seven encounters with the gospel. So don't, don't be discouraged if you share the faith and they don't care or they reject you. That's part of the dialogue. When Paul came to a place, not everyone believed immediately. He showed them through the scriptures. Some people rejected. Some people insult him. Some people wanted to stone him, right? But little by little, he shared the gospel, and people believed in the faith. And then Paul stayed, for example, in Ephesus almost three years teaching. In Antioch, Paul and Barnabas stayed for one year teaching. So discipleship is a process. Making a disciple of Jesus is a process. With your children, with your grandchildren, with your neighbors, sharing the gospel 
Evangelism is an event, but evangelism, sharing the good news, is also a process. Can you say after me? Evangelism is a process. Evangelism is a process. And can you say also, discipleship is a process. Discipleship is a process. And this is a commandment that Jesus has given us. We need to invest time on other people. So, in Acts 11:26, the disciples were called, what? Christians first uh, at Antioch. When people ask you, what is your religion? What do you guys usually respond? I am a Christian, right? I'm Christian, right? So, before we were called Christians, we were called what? Disciples, people that learn from Jesus and follow Jesus. We are followers of Jesus, of the person of Jesus and his teachings, and we think those are relevant to our lives. So, if Jesus is commanded us, commanding us to go and make disciples, the question is, what is a disciple so that we know that we're obeying our Lord in doing what he commanded us to, to do? What is a disciple? Is someone just to, that comes to church some Sundays or every Sunday? What defines discipleship? For example, if I ask you, if I will bring uh, something and I ask you to here to, to draw something, and I ask, please draw an ampelos. And you say, Pastor, what are you asking me to do? To draw an ampelos. What in the world is that? How many of you could draw an ampelos if I bring? You can do it. Awesome. Oh, okay, 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 very good, okay. So most of us would say, I don't know what you're asking me to draw, right? If Jesus comes and say, go and make disciples, Lord, I don't know what you're asking me to do. Okay, so an ampelos, it's a vine in Greek, in the Greek New Testament. In John 15, Jesus says, I am, can you, in, in, we can see the picture of a vine. In the, in, in, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You, if you don't remain in me, on me, you cannot bear fruit. Remember? So the only way our lives could be fruitful, that we can produce fruits that bring glory to God, that brings joy and happiness to our lives, is to remain in the vine that is, that is Jesus. But if I ask you, please draw an ampelos in Greek, you don't have an idea. But if I ask you, draw an apple, paint an apple, how many of you would have a fair idea how to draw an apple? Even if it looks like a third grade <laughs> children drawing, but most of, it, most of us would be kind of able to draw an apple. Why? Because we have seen an apple before, right? But if I ask you to draw an ampelos, I don't have an idea. So the thing is that in church, many times we lack good examples of discipleship. What is what God is asking me to do? Because we equate Christianity with just attendance to church, right? But we don't, sometimes we forget that Christianity is reflecting the character of Jesus. Uh, being genuine, hey, I, I am messed up, but I need the Lord and He's fixing my life. And thank, I'm not yet where I'm supposed to be, but I praise God that I'm not what I used to be before. And God is working in my life. He's transforming me. Uh, when I sin, I acknowledge it. I feel guilty. I feel the Spirit of God convicting me, and I go back to the Lord, and He cleanses me. I uh, amend things with my family when I mess up. I ask them to forgive them, forgive me, and, and I'm walking in the Lord. I'm opening the Scriptures. It, you know, if you're a Christian that just comes on Sundays, 
all of us, we will be weak Christians. But as we read the Scriptures, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the letters of the New Testament that are full of, of, of Jesus and the love for Jesus and His character, that will undoubtedly change our hearts and our souls. And we will, we, we will emulate things of the character of Jesus. A strong Christian remains in the Word of God. So, it is important uh, to know that Christianity is not only this, right? It's not only people sitting in, in, in the chairs. And I said not only because it is part of Christianity to, to learn and to, to be taught in the Scriptures. We see that example in the New Testament. And also Hebrews 10, 25, 24, 25, it says to not stop gathering together, right? As some people have the custom of not coming to. So it's part of coming here. Although some people come very tired and they end up, they end up like this during the service. I hope you're not like that, especially when it's very an early service. I'm glad that our church is 1.30 p.m., so most people already are awakened and they had their breakfast and they were time with their, their families. But in John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said something very important. It says, if you hold, if you hold to my teachings... You are, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So this passage is important because it, call, it tells us what a disciple looks like. Because discipleship is a process, right? So God is working on your life so that you become a believer that holds to Jesus' teachings, that remains in His Word, in His teachings, so, if you hold to my teachings, if you remain in my word, say, say other versions. In the Greek it says, if you remain in my word, referring to, to if you hold to my teachings. That's the meaning. So, hold on to Jesus' teaching, remain in his word. So, watch, if, how many of you want your children to have eternal life one day and see them in heaven? How many of you want your children to love God and be guided by His wisdom. How many of you want your children to avoid foolish mistakes in life and pain and divorce and, and suffering? How many of you want that? Of course. Well, the, 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 the gospel is the power for, of God for salvation. The Bible is the power, has the power to transform lives. The world desperately needs the gospel. You know how many people die last year in the U.S. of overdoses of drugs? A hundred thousand, a hundred thousand people dead needlessly just because they have a void in their lives. They get hooked into drugs. They need, we need to share the gospel. The, the world needs the gospel. Our children need, need the gospel. So John 8, 31, 32, it says, if you hold to my teachings, how are you holding to the teachings of Jesus? Sometimes we're more influenced by what culture thinks than what the Bible says. We're more influenced by what a, a famous uh, uh, YouTuber or influencer or singer says than what Jesus says. So it's important that we are truly followers of Jesus and not just people that come and listen to the church and see, oh, it's one of many opinions. Are we truly impressed by the gospel that we believe and trust that the Bible is the Word of God, the most awesome, powerful a wise being in the universe, and that what he, what he teaches us 
uh, can change our lives for the better. So hold on to Jesus' teachings remaining His Word. If it is a process, we need to start with our, with our children. I have a 12-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And every night before we go to bed, we call them to our room, and we read a, a chapter or a passage of Scripture, and at the end we pray. Because it's like drop, drops, right, of the right vitamin that you're putting into their water, which is the truth of God, to help them think uh, and see the world as God sees it. It's not easy to be a parent in today's world. It's not easy. There's a lot of bad influence. But we, if, you, if, you, if you and I, if, we, if you don't teach your children to love God, the world will teach them to ignore God. So you need to be intentional in teaching them. Even if they are 40 or 60 or 50 years old, you need to be intentional. Uh, so when I share the gospel with someone, and I see that they come to know the Lord, I invite them to my Bible study, my small group. I invite them to my church. Uh, I meet with them, and I encourage them to begin reading the Scriptures because, I, because the Lord has given me the order to go and what? Make what? A disciple. And in order to paint an apple, I want to see how a, an apple looks like. If you ask me to paint something I have never seen, I will know what... Well, I will end up painting. And sometimes the church is like that. Oh, make disciples. Okay. They come to church and that's it. Instead of working with them so that they learn to read the scriptures and grow in their faith. So, the second thing that we find in the Bible about what a disciple looks like, it's in John 13, 35. And Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. What is the first characteristic of a disciple discovery? The first one that I just mentioned before. To hold on to Jesus' teachings or to remain in His Word. Because how are you, how are you going to hold on to Jesus' teaching if you ignore them? Where can we find Jesus' teachings? Where? In the Bible. So you have to remain in the Word. You have to make the habit, the spiritual habit of spending time in Scripture. Can, can, can we read one chapter of the Bible a day? Sometimes, oh, Pastor Carlos, sometimes I'm, I've gone through a month and I have not opened my Bible. Can you read one chapter of the Bible a day? The book of Proverbs? The book of Philippians? You will be inspired. Can you learn to highlight and reflect on the Word of God? And, 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 and memorize some Bible verses. When was the last time you memorized a Bible verse? When was the last time you intentionally say, this passage is so powerful, I need to put it in my heart. It, it will serve me well when I need it. Imagine if you read one Bible verse a month, 12 a year. In 10 years, you would know by heart 120 Bible verses. And the Holy Spirit will bring them to your heart when you need them the most. Will give you wisdom. But what is the second thing to know what a disciple looks like? A disciple has in, in his or her life what? Love. So a disciple loves others. So I want my children to love other people. I want my friends that I invite to church, that I share, share the gospel, to be people that show in their lives love, right? 
And in order for me to make a disciple, first I need to be one, right? So loving others, uh, oh, we should love, uh, you ask people, you think we should love one another? Oh, yes, we should be love. Are you loving other people? That's difficult, no? <laughs> love is not just a feeling of emotion. Oh, I love you so much. Romans 5, 8 says that God shows His love toward us, that while we were still sinners, sinning against Him, He died for us. It's not that Jesus saw us and He saw Oh, I, I just feel the tingles for them. Oh, I, oh, it's butterflies in my stomach. They are so loving. No, we did not deserve that love. But love is seeking the benefit of others. Love is a decision. Love is an action. And we should start at home. It is easier to be a Christian outside, but in the home is where, where they know us with all our fails and our circumstances, they say everyone is normal until you get to know them, right? You want to get to know them. Let's come together and live in the same house for a month. <laughs> that's, where you, that's where you show love, right? Love is seeking the benefit of others. It's not just a feeling of, oh, they are so loving, right? So Jesus says we should love one another, uh, I want to show you something that I was reflecting, that is, that it is practically impossible, it is practically impossible to have a deep relationship with someone over time without there ever being at some moment a tension, a frustration, a miscommunication, a discomfort in the relationship, or even a feeling of being hurt. Every relationship is like that. Relationship with your husband, relationship with your wife, relationship with your children, relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, relationship among staff, relationship pastor with worship leader, worship leader with the one on the sound. And it's practically impossible. I don't know if God's speaking to someone <laughs> here today, but it is practically impossible to have a deep relationship with someone over time without there ever being at some moment a tension, frustration, miscommunication, discomfort, or even a, a feeling of being hurt. Even if we would have a clone of ourselves and that clone would live with us, why did you drink my whole milkshake or my Gatorade and the in the, well, I like it. Yes, but I live with you, and it's not just you, right? We will be fighting all time with our own clone. And sometimes in our families, well, that's family. We fight, and then we continue, and we love each other. But when, the ch when it comes to things of the church or relationships among brothers and sisters in Christ, Sometimes just one offense, one misperception, I'm out of this church. I'm out of this relationship. We never see it as a family to say, hey, what, what does Matthew 18 says? If your brother sins against you, go and tell the whole church everything that he did to you. No, it says go and talk with him. And if, 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 he, if he realizes and, and asks you, please, could you forgive me? He says, you have win all over your brother. If he doesn't listen to you and if, if he's something, doing something that is unjust or evil, 
then go and tell it to the whole, no, this says go and tell it to two or three uh, in, in the leadership of the church so they can help you with that situation. But usually we don't follow the scriptures. We don't remain in Jesus' teaching, right? We don't hold to his teachings. We just hold to our feelings. That's, that's the authority of the Christians and the world today in which we live is your feelings. You feel that you are this or you're the other. It doesn't matter what biology says. You are what you feel. You feel like you are a milking cow, then you can do moo, and everybody should have to tell you that you're a milking cow. If not, they will be offending you, and they will be disrespecting you because that's your feelings. That's who you feel that you are. Everything is feelings. It's what, what, uh, what uh, when people say, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, come to our church. We're very disorganized. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't believe in organized religion. Uh, so what are, what are they meaning? I don't believe in structure, in churches, in, in teachings of people. I just believe in my inner spirituality. I don't believe in organized religion. I believe in my inner spirituality. That means I want to believe whatever I want, whatever I feel is right. And what it feels right to me, that's right if it feels right to me, right? That's, that's what people, it's about feelings. So we are not being shaped by truth, but we're being shaped by feelings, what people feel in the world. And, oh, I, he, he is into, into Wicca. Oh, let's not hurt her feelings. We are all entitled to our own religion. Yeah, you are entitled. Nobody is going to force you. But I can share because I love you why I believe the path you're going is it's wrong and why I believe you need Christ in your life, right? So, Again, Jesus commanded us to love one another. So it is practically impossible to have a deep relationship with someone over time without there ever being a, at some moment a tension, frustration, miscommunication, discomfort, or even a feeling of being hurt. And sometimes we look like the, like the toast bread, right? It's the, the, there's escalating stages of the conflict and feelings. We start like, oh, I feel uncomfortable with this. And then another thing, oh, I feel more uncomfortable. And I'm putting everything in, and I just want to explode, and, and sometimes the, the relationship is toasted, right? In our, in our marriage, with our children, with our church, with some, someone in our church. So, love is an action. There's a few things that love is. Love is an action. Love, love is an action. Love involves sacrifice. Love, is, love involves sacrifice because Jesus showed us love, right? And He sacrificed Himself for us. Love is patient. Love speaks the truth with love. Love forgives. Love restores relationships if there's true repentance. And when sometimes in our life we will see fires. So we will see a fire, and you have two options. You can have an extinguisher or a, or a big can of water, or you can have a can of gas. So when you have a misunderstanding, a hurt feeling with someone, Choose the higher road. Jesus says, do not, I'm sorry, Paul said in Romans 12, do not be overcome by evil, by overcome evil with good. As it depends on you, as long as it depends on you, be in peace with everyone. So, what are you going to do with the next problem you have with someone at your household or in church? It doesn't mean that you put it under the rug like nothing happened. That's not healthy either. You talk in love, 
without insulting, with kindness, with truth. You just share your feelings. Give the benefit of the doubt. Don't assume things that you don't read minds. You don't know the hearts of people. So don't assume things. Just, just share how it hurt you. And let the other people, the other person listen to you. And, and, and many times you will gain your brother. So I will advise you in your life, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, that show love towards one another, to show that we are his disciples, that the next time you have a difficult problem with someone, choose the extinguisher. Do not choose the gas can. Because sometimes, oh, there's a problem in the church. Oh, yeah, I have seen it too. Yeah, and, I, and we're pouring more gas. And so there's a problem. These brothers so-and-so, I don't agree with the pastor and this and this and this. Have you talked with, uh, with Pastor John? No, I, I haven't talked with him. Uh, well, what does Matthew 18 says? Go and tell your brother how you feel, right? But you should guide people towards righteousness and peace and healing relationships rather than being part of the problem that destroys relationships in the church or in your family or with coworkers or in whatever place we are. By these will people know that we're his disciples if we love one another. So what was the first mark of a disciple? We hold on in our hearts to what? To the teachings of Jesus. The second thing is that we love one another. And the third thing is John 15, 8. Jesus said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Three things that define what a disciple looks like. Jesus commanded us to go and make what? Disciples. And if we are supposed to go and make disciples, we need to be disciples. So what defines the life of a Christian in the very words of Jesus? The words, the life of a disciple. Of course, follows Christ, right? Takes up his cross every day and follows him. Counts, counts the cost of discipleship. But, in, but my character will hold on to his teachings. I will remain in his word. I will read my Bible every day, often. I will reflect in the truth of Scripture, and I will obey God in my walk with him every day. I will allow Scripture to shape my understanding of the world, of human relationships and problems, of finding uh, in life contentment and joy and, and learn to be grateful because the Word of God is shaping my thoughts, my mind, and my heart because I hold on to His teachings. And when I make a disciple, I teach them to do the same, to develop the spiritual discipline of opening the Scriptures, coming to church to listen the, the Word of God preach, coming to a small group, and learn to open their Bibles because I want to make disciples. The second thing is I want to show that I'm a loving person. I'm not prideful enough that if I hurt my wife, I say, I am sorry that I hurt you. You know, I acknowledge that what I said was not right, was not good. Would you forgive me? I am sorry. I, I, I mess up. I, I need to own it. I need to acknowledge it. And you do the same with other brothers in Christ. And you seek their benefit as it depends on you. You're a peaceful person, not someone that is quarreling and finding 
what's wrong with others so that you fight or that you reject them. You have a heart of love because you want to be a disciple of Jesus, not just a Christian that is an attender to church and that's it, okay? And you want your children and the person that you're sharing the gospel to become a follower of Christ. So what kind of fruit should we have? Well, Galatians 5, 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. I need to allow the Spirit of God to produce that in my life as I have a, a relationship with God. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How would your marriage look like if your marriage would be full of this fruit of the Spirit? <laughs> Amen. How would your family look like, the relationship with your children? How would your church look like if you would be filled with those fruits of the Spirit, that the Spirit of God produces? It would be amazing, right? And, and sometimes it's, you, are, you are angry, and be careful with the chocolate and the coffee. It makes you to have a righteous anger. I discover that. I discover that, and I don't drink coffee as I used to, and I don't drink, uh, I don't eat uh, chocolates because that caffeine, sometimes even the green tea, I, know, I acknowledge that it makes me have a righteous anger with my children when they disobey and disobey what I have already told them to be obedient. But in reality, we realize, and my wife and I, it's like you become angry, and in your heart, you're so, so real that. You are in the right, and they are doing something that is so bad, so wrong, and you become righteously anger. But if you don't drink that coffee, that chocolate, if you get some magnesium, <laughs> you come down, oh, suddenly the fruit of the Spirit is there. <laughs> no, reality, in, in reality, I, I discovered that. Test it. If you fight a lot as a couple, if you are very short-tempered, and you drink a lot of coffee, and love chocolates, especially dark chocolates. Maybe the Lord sent me today to tell you that. Because, because suddenly if you tested it, for tested, stop doing it for, for three weeks. And suddenly you say, oh, we have fight much less. Praise God for Pastor Carlos that came three weeks ago. <laughs> he came and he changed our family life. <laughs> we are prone to be stimulated by things that stimulate our brain and our, yeah, that's the reality. That's just an experience. As a, as a brother in Christ that I love you, I share that with you. Check it out. Okay? Uh, well, every believer, we're finishing, every believer needs to understand what it means to be a Christian. They need to understand the gospel. They need to learn how to share the gospel. They, learn, they, they need to learn to disciple others. How many of you think that you can grow on those things, that you can grow today and you can say, God, allow me to be someone that equips to share the gospel with others, to, Lord, I want to make disciples. I want to share the faith with others. So this is the three things that we were challenged today of what a disciple looks like. A disciple remains in his word and hold on to his teachings of Jesus. A disciple loves others and bears fruit. And this is, dear church, the commandment of Jesus that we see in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I am a living proof of the power of the gospel. My mother was in a bus stop, and uh, my mother was in a bus stop, and there was an elderly lady 
that uh, was a missionary once in, 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 in Latin America and says, oh, how, what is your name, Juliana? Oh, where are you from, Argentina? Find out she was Jewish and says, what a beautiful thing from the chosen people of God from where the Messiah came from. And my mother was the first time he heard about Jesus in such a beautiful words uh, because the first time she was eight years old and a, and a, and a girl spit on the floor and said, you, you pick Jewish, you kill Christ. So for my mother, Christ was like a cursing word. And these ladies sent missionaries to my mom. They came, they shared the gospel. She says, no, I'm Jewish, I have my religion. But they show them in the New Testament, in the Old, in the New Te in the Old Testament, the prophecies of the Messiah that was to come. Uh, through a through discipleship is a process, right? There was, an elder, uh, there was a couple. She was the first, one of the first nurses in the U.S. to apply the penicillin in that time. And the brother of this man is the one that designed the Thunderbird card. And they were praying for my mom in San Diego without even knowing her because they saw the graduation from high school. It says, wow, she graduated with, with honors, but she doesn't know the greatest honor of all that is to know her Messiah. Three months they pray for my mom without even knowing her. In this time, God sent an elderly lady in a bus stop, missionaries. They shared the gospel. They were making disciples of my mom. And then my mom went to the baptisms of this church. And they were praying. This couple belonged to this church. And so now the baptisms of the Hebrew mission. And they saw Juliana, my mom, that they had it in, in, her prayer, in their prayer list for three months praying for her. And she was being baptized in their own church. And that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of prayer. So, someone says, don't, don't talk to people about God if you have not first talked to God about people. Well, do both. Do both. Then my, ma my father came out of the Catholic Church, and a man began to share through a process. And my father says, I'm a Catholic. I don't want to have nothing to do with these Protestants, uh, with these sects or cults. I, I am I'm a Catholic. But they, they asked him, if you would die today, do you know where you're going? My dad says, I don't, I don't have a clue. And they show them in Scripture that Jesus says, whoever believes in my word uh, uh, and hears my word and believes in, in he who sends me will not perish. He says, but will not be condemned, but will uh, have everlasting life in uh, John 5, 24. So they showed this to my dad, and my dad came to faith. My parents met in jail. I told you that long ago because my mom went to share the gospel to jail. And my dad was a new believer. He was an attorney. And he was going with a local church to, to preach the gospel in jail. So my parents met in jail on the other side of the bars. Thanks, God. And they got married. They said, as for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then one Saturday, they met people in the marketplace. And my mom approached a lady and began make building a friendship and every saturday they saw each other in the market in the farmer's market and my mother invited them to to christ and my and and her husband sa uh, said did you find this nice lady that talked to you about god yes okay so what did he tell you to tell me what he told you this saturday and finally she came back they are not roman catholic oh don't speak to her anymore we don't want to be confused, get into a cult or something. Well, that day they found uh, the lady, my, my, my mother and my dad, they found them in the street. And they say, would you like to come to a Bible study? They were teaching in the house of an engineer, a block from our house. 
We meet every Wednesday. We have a Bible study. It's like an hour. You're more than welcome to come. And they were embarrassed to say no. And they say, well, let's, let's say yes. And we get rid of them after that. And they came to the Bible study and they were impressed by the teaching, the Word of God. They kept coming. They gave their lives to Christ. And Jesus changed their lives. And they are my father and my mother-in-law. We met when I was five and she was three. My, 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 so, and when I see my, my, my wife and, and her three siblings, they are four, all of them are walking with the Lord. God changed their lives tremendously. And when my wife says, I, don't, I didn't think I had a testimony because God did not rescue me from alcohol, from a horrible life. But when I see the life of my aunts and uncles and my cousins, when I see the life of all my friends in school through the years, all the mistakes, all the pain, all the suffering that sin has brought to them, I have a testimony. God was good to me and my, life, and my, and my family because the Lord found us, because we found the Lord. So the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. To everyone that believes. I would not be here preaching to you, knowing the Lord, if there would not have been a couple that was praying for my mom because they were thinking about discipleship and people to get to know Jesus. I would not be here if there was not an elderly lady in a bus stop that in the midst of being busy, she came and approached a young Argentinian Jewish girl to share about the gospel and send missionaries. I would not be here if there would not be two godly men that loved the Lord, that when they said there was a Jewish lady, could you visit and pray for her, we share the gospel. They say, yes, we will. And they went and they shared the gospel. I would not be here if there, were not, there was not a, an obedient person that shared the gospel to my dad, uh, although he was reluctant and a very strong Roman Catholic. I would not have my wife. <laughs> I would not have my family. If we had not been by the, for, the, for, for this passage that we just read, go, therefore go. All power has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes. Because the gospel came to our lives, I don't know what it means to be drunk. I have never been drunk in my life, in my whole life. Praise God for that. It's not that I'm more righteous or more. It's just the power of, of God for salvation, the gospel, right? I don't know what it means to be divorced. And I have 20 years with my wife, my best friend, the love of my life. We have three beautiful children and we're praying for them. And God has been good to me. All I can tell you is that God is good. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's, you should go and, and make disciples. Start with your own family. Start with your friends. Be praying for them. Have them in a list of prayer. Equip yourself to be able to share the gospel. And let's see, Discovery Church next year to have at least 30 more people, 50 people that have come to know the Lord. Not only because there was a beautiful service here, but because of your walk with the Lord. Because you are disciples that will make disciples for the glory of God. And you will change forever the life of someone with the power of God in, in you, with the gospel. You will change someone's lives and you will change their eternity forever. 
Let us pray. Father God, thank you for this message. Thank you for this reminder to our souls that we need to go and make disciples and be obedient to you. Lord, help us to walk in this reasonable faith that we must have. Lord, if there's someone that has been struggling with doubt or emptiness, and there's a long time that they have stopped reading the scriptures, sharing the faith with someone, I ask you to reveal yourself to them, to strengthen them, to call them back to you. And Lord, as, as a church, we don't want to be just complacent and, and in a comfortable zone, but we want to be obedient to you. We want to be walking with you, Lord. Just as we are there praying in, our, in the seats, in our chairs, if God spoke to your heart, why don't you surrender to the Lord whatever is the area where you're being, you're being maybe mistrustful or disobedient or, or maybe you're complacent and God spoke to your heart today and you want to go deep with the Lord in a relationship with Him, start again opening the Scriptures. Or maybe God lay in your heart today to, to be more intentional praying for your children or grandchildren and using opportunities to be able to be real with them. And even if they don't believe immediately or they reject you, but you want to open your hearts and, and share with them the Gospel. If God spoke in some way in your hearts, could you raise there your hand and say, Lord, here is my life. I am here. I'm willing to be obedient to what you spoke to my life today. Praise God. Praise God. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless your desire to be obedient to Him. Father, thank you. We love you. We praise you. We need to remain in you as the, as the, the branches of the vine need the vine to be able to bear fruit. We need to remain on you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Change our lives. We ask you that through this message will be people, there will be people that will come to faith and their destinies will be changed for the better because your people are going to be obedient to you. We thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's give God a hand praise for Pastor Carlos. Thank you, Pastor Carlos. In just a moment, we're going to have our, our baskets come around. This is our opportunity to give back to God. It's, it's our worship through generosity. All giving goes directly back into Discovery's kingdom work in the community. If this is your first time here, let your connection card be your offering today. Um, you, you hold on to your, 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 your funds. And as the baskets come by, we're going to go back into worship. Just feel free to stand or just sit in prayer. Um, about what you may have taken away from today's scripture. And then we'll uh, dismiss for the day. All my words fall short. I got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing songs as I often do but every song must end and you never do so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is a
Thank you so much for joining us today. As you leave, some reminders. Don't forget your children. Take them with you. Eternal Anchor Interest Meeting is going to be in room 228. And if you can, help us tear down and turn this worship space back into a school. Thank you so much. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next time.